Today's episode of the Teamwork Online webinar series is presented by ScreenSkins, the number one branded screen protector. Appreciate their support of the podcast, and they allow you to personalize your screen protector with custom or officially licensed designs that disappear. Get yours today by visiting ScreenSkins.com and use the code LIFO24 at checkout for 20% off today. Again, the code LIFO24, L-I-F-O-2-4 at checkout for 20%. Enjoy today's episode. This is the Life in the Front Office Plus, where we dive deeper into personal and professional development, share nuggets and highlights from previous episodes, and bring you new content to provide insights and perspectives beyond the front office. Enjoy today's episode. What do you like most about sales? And maybe start a little bit with just kind of where you're, where you're at, what you're doing, um, and how sales has played a role within your career as a whole. Sure. Yeah. Kick things off. Nice to see everyone. Appreciate you all joining today. Um, my name is Rachel Krasnow. I'm the head of strategic partnerships at Huddle. It's a sports technology company. A lot of you might have used it from a highlight standpoint, uh, but we're a lot more than that across the board. My role right here now is overseeing all of our league and association-wide relationship at the high school, club, college space, as well as any third-party organizations that we partner with uh, outside of that. Um, been here about three years and absolutely love it. Prior to that, I was always in the pro sports space and partnership sales. So my background and kind of experience within the sales landscape was a little bit different than the standard ticket sales way that you think about it. But I think that they're all very transferable in terms of how you approach the market. Um, my favorite thing personally, in terms of what I really love about the sales landscape environment is just I'm a very outgoing person, and I think it's really fun to be able to meet with and talk to tons of different people, both just from a different background and experience, but also from different industries across the board. I think that that's always a really cool way to be able to learn about others, get to know people, and approach it from the standpoint of everyone that you talk to, friend, family, anything can be a network or opportunity for you to learn more. Uh, and I really approach sales in that light. And so I think that's been a great thing for me personally in that space. Allison. Great. Hi, everyone. I'm Allison Fillmore. Um, I have been in sports, oh gosh, since I graduated from college, uh, starting off in minor league hockey, NBA, Atlanta Falcons, WNBA, Atlanta Dream, NASCAR, uh, made my way to the PGA Tour in 2017, ran the Tour Championship in Atlanta, and now I am the Vice President of Business Development for the PGA Tour, focusing on official marketing partners. So sales has always been in my blood. Um, I was lucky to be able to take a track starting in ticket sales and moved over into sponsorship sales kind of halfway through my career. So um, it's been a lot of fun. I love what I do. I pinch myself every day. Um, but I think the coolest thing about sales is you really are controlling your own destiny, right? So it, it depends on how hard you work. Um, you want to get something sold, you got to work at it. So I love that. But I also too love, I love being able to solve a problem for a for a client, you know, we're solution-based sellers here. So being able to tie, you know, our assets back to and solve a problem for a partner usually results in them wanting to partner with us. So being creative, coming up with different ideas. Um, that's what I love the most about sales. Thank you. Ooh, a lot of stuff there. A lot of good stuff there, Allison, that resonates with me too. But um, hey, everyone, it's good to meet you all. My name is Ron Lee. 
Uh, I'm a senior vice president of client strategy here at Navigate, um, which is really just a fancy title for I get to play project manager to a collection of really awesome strategists and analysts. Um, we're a 17 year old management consultancy that specializes in the sports and entertainment space. So in the same way that a Fortune 500 company might make a phone call to Bain, BCG, McKinsey or a consultancy to help them solve a business problem. Um, sports organizations or people who want to use sports as a business growth platform typically reach out to us that way. Um, we've been really lucky in that uh, we've pretty much worked with every type of in, uh, organization in our industry, you know, loosely speaking, people who invest marketing dollars on the brand side, people who receive it on the property side, and also other intermediary, intermediaries in between like media or other agencies or other consultancies as well. Uh, I've been doing this for about two and a half years. Uh, prior to this, I was at EA, uh, where I led sponsorship strategy and also viewership development of their esports business unit. So I worked across FIFA, Madden, a first person shooter called Apex Legends, and also a game called The Sims there. Uh, and then prior to that, uh, connecting theme, I was at the PGA Tour for about five and a half years. Uh, where I help them plan and execute their international expansion. So a lot of the things that make up my life are new media technology, globalization. Um, I was born in Hong Kong and I grew up in Singapore, Germany, and eventually Canada. So as we think about how sports is moving across the world, that also is uh, one of the tenets of my career these days. Um, and uh, Rachel, I'm also a former Huddle customer for whenever I want to review how crappy my golf swing looks. Um, but lastly, I guess to get back to Jake's question, okay. though... That's amazing. That is now sunset. And the fact that you know that is one of my favorite things ever. Sorry, that's just great. I can attest though, Ron does not have a crappy golf swing. It's actually know, a good yeah, golf cool. swing. So this is recording now though. If you want to compensate me in royalties for this testimonial, <laughs> we can talk after this call, Rachel. But um, you know, if I were any commentary I think I have on sales would be I've never actually had a formal sales role. To Allison's point, I just wanted to be in control of my own destiny to understand what I could do for the business because the quickest way to go jolt or put your footprint down on a business is to bring in some revenue. And you don't want to make life so transactional, but it was really helpful that way. Um, and really the thing that I like most about it, once you get past all the misnomers and all the cliches is it really is about relationship building and problem solving. It's just becoming increasingly complex because we're, we live in an increasingly complex world. But really, that's the thing I like. And I've been able to, you know, work on a lot of different products, um, both in and out of sports. And so I would say, overall, it's great to have experience in it. It's always benefited me, regardless of whether I'm formally in a sales role or not. Transitioning real quick, because Ron made the perfect transition uh, point to some extent, where, you know, Ron, you've been in tech, Allison, you've been at a racetrack at an event where it happens once a year. Um, you've been in a team, Rachel team, you know, property, different, different tech um, landscapes. Sales is, is all the same to some extent at each and every stop. But how has a team versus a league versus, um, you know, a tech company versus an event where you're only doing it once a year, how does that differ from a sales perspective? Um, in, in your experiences? Yeah, I can start out there because I've literally worked for every league there is in some capacity uh, through my jobs. I worked, you know, started out at the PGA, Miami Dolphins right before grad school, but then PGA Tour. Um, I went to AEG, which is the LA Kings, LA Galaxy, Crypto.com Arena, 300 venues worldwide in like Coachella, Stagecoach, to Fenway Sports Group, which is the Red Sox. It was TV network, they have the Liverpool, they have now the Pittsburgh Penguins, a bunch of different properties there, all the way to Huddle, which is now on the sports tech side. So really worked for, I sold for NASCAR when I was at Fenway as well. So I think I've hit every major league in some capacity. Um, and I will say the biggest thing is it's transferable. Um, 
overall, which is should give some comfort to like, no matter what league, I'd always encourage you to think through like opportunities you can learn. I never thought I'd ever be interested in golf. And a friend from grad school told me about the tour and the opportunities there and doing it was the best decision of my life. And I'm now a huge golf fan and I'm so thankful for that opportunity, but I would have never thought of it. I was always like a big four major sports before grad school. Um, it really is transferable. I think the biggest thing to think about as you go role to role and how you're approaching them is I like to say I'm like dangerous in any topic, but if you, if you ask me to go super in depth, uh, I'm probably not going to be able to give you the nitty gritty of how huddles tool huddle technique for golf used to work or, you know, how, uh, our sideline works for football, but I have the ability to talk to you about it in high level for all of them. And I think that the area that differs the most for me going from the team brand side to the, the league, the, uh, tech side, I would say, is really understanding our products better. Like when you're speaking with a team from a team side, you need to understand the product. You need to be a fan to some extent so that you can talk to it eloquently and be able to say what the team's doing and understand the value props for why that team and sponsoring or selling for that team makes sense for the person that you're working with. Uh, but I think with the, with the tech side, so software service side, it's really understanding our product and the updates that we're making and being able to talk eloquently about how there's these big changes coming up that are different. But I will say there's not much that differs for me from team to league to tech. I think that sales in general is a transferable skill that as long as you're confident and comfortable in what you're selling, uh, and that includes selling yourself or anything, you're going to be just fine in any of those roles, no matter what you're thrown into. Um, for the the sales process, I think, you know, the biggest difference for me going from selling for a team to selling for one singular event is really kind of the strategy behind it. Um, teams are very transactional when it comes, even, even on the partnership space, right? It's, it's way more transactional than it is at this higher level. Like the, the deals that I'm doing right now are in the millions where before, you know, I'd be psyched if I had a $500 group sale. So, and, and again, it's, it's your prospecting is different too, right? So for me, I'm prospecting in a way smaller pond than I was previously, even when it came just to team sports, because you really, there's a lot of opportunity to afford that product, right? So I'm really kind of dialed in and focused on a different type of organization than I was when I was selling NASCAR or than I was when I was selling the NBA. So I think strategy is a big difference for me. You know, time of year too, that singular event you're selling all year round for one event, you've got one chance to make a first impression. So it's, it's very, very calculated and intentional where, you know, team sports are just kind of throwing out a wide net and seeing like who's going to bite. So I, I do feel like there's a different strategy when it comes to um, whether it's a singular event or a team sport tickets to partnerships. So it's, again, I know we keep reiterating this, but it's understanding your product, knowing who buys it and knowing where the fish are in order to um, throw out your fishing pole. It's funny, Allison. It's not, I feel like you've just walked through what I've kind of experienced in going into the consulting world in my own personal life. And, you know, at, uh, at the tour in EA, wouldn't sell anything for less than seven or eight figures. I mean, that'd be the starting point, right? And then that naturally already determines what your sales life cycle will look like long time. But that's natural, right? To Allison's point of whatever you're selling has a huge impact on what the week to week will look like. And then now I've transitioned over to the consulting world where the denominations are a lot less, but it doesn't make me any less psyched when I get wins, but it's just different. Um, 
And I think an add-on to both your points about understanding what your product is, and I think Rachel will probably agree with me, especially in a tech perspective, but it's understanding your product, but also understanding what problem it's solving. Because if you start thinking about what problem you're actually solving, it becomes much easier to articulate the value proposition behind it. And I know it's, this sounds like a little manicured, but you'd be surprised at how natural it comes if you just start from a problem backwards. You hear it a lot from like any successful entrepreneur. You start by being passionate enough to go solve a problem. Typically successful businesses do that. And this might sound like I'm blowing smoke, right? Like if you're, you know, to Allison's point, what problem am I solving if I'm working for a minor league hockey team somewhere, right? Still an entertainment-based problem. You have to kind of focus your perspective on that. And once you do, then it becomes pretty interesting to think about how it differs based on what you're selling. In consulting, it's very B2B. I feel like sometimes I'm a firefighter. I enjoy it in some ways. And you know, to Rachel's point, I get to learn a ton and become a wannabe expert in a lot of industries. But when I was on the rights holder side, whether it be on a team league, I found myself needing to go really deep. But both are found, but my efficacy was founded in the same thing, was understanding the product and also what problem it was solving based on my audience. The problem solving one, one thing I'll add to that, because I think that's a spot on point. And one of the biggest things, because I, I talk to a lot of third party organizations that are looking to partner with Huddle and kind of decide whether or not they're partners. So I hear a lot of sales pitches on a regular basis. And one of the biggest things is like, if I'm already taking the meeting, there's a level of interest that I already have in having a conversation. If I'm already taking a phone call, I picked up the phone. If I'm already taking any sale that you have as they're going into it, they're already interested. If you launch into a sales pitch without any thought as to what their problem is or why they're interested, you're going to lose them almost immediately. And so to Rob's point of like understanding the problem, it's also understanding what your client or prospect's problem is and really listening to what their goals and objectives are. And then you're sharing how you fill that void. So you are, if you know your product well enough to the bronze point and you understand what it is, you're hearing their problem. And then you're saying, here's how I am a solution for you. And then it's a much more back and forth organic sales pitch versus just launching into why your product's great, which they're like, well, this doesn't relevant. This isn't relevant to me. I'm going to tune you out and go do some work on the side. It's like, how do you make sure that there was one clip for this entire thing? I would submit that to be on it. It's a sales is a listening exercise. It's not a selling exercise. Yep. 100%. Yeah. It's amazing how many people forget that. Mm hmm. Yeah. The biggest thing you can do is, I mean, the, the, the first question I ask people, I go, what's keeping you up at night? Right. Because obviously you also want to show that you're caring about them. Like you got to, then you sit back and you shut up, you don't say a word because you need to listen. And that is the biggest thing that I can, if, if anything resonates with you guys today is listening. Like you go into a sales pitch and you go blah, 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 and talk for the next 30 minutes. Like nothing will get accomplished. You have to sit back, listen, because that's where you're going to find out where the problem is. That's where you're going to talk about and get to know. And that's where you're going to hear the buying signals and the buying questions. Sitting back and listening is probably the hardest thing that I've had to learn in my role. But once I figured that out, then I went from here to here. How do you go about asking the right questions and showing that you did listen on the other end? I think you can always have that specific kind of list of questions, right? Like I always start out a pitch and I have kind of like five good questions after I do the research on the organization, right? Always do your research too. Um, 
but then it's like reiterating what they say and, and making sure like you're recapping what they've just told you. Right. So, so you're saying your problem is X and that you're having a problem with Y and this is how you intend to fix it. So here are the ways that we can help with that solution. Like that's where you can let them know that you're actually listening to what they say and being able to respond in a smart and logical way and not just like pushing your product on them. Yeah, you, Allison, you pretty much already started my answer to Jake's point on like what was the hardest thing. I'll, I'll build on yours. For me, it was like, holy crap, I need to like spend less time talking. But mm -hmm. wait, how much time does that leave me to talk when it becomes my turn and then, so then I have to think about, okay, well, I have to make sure I actually show I was listening, but also two, what I wanted to say is now probably like what I wanted to say is probably now being compressed into time. And the goal isn't to pack whatever I was trying to say into that time the goal is to become a more effective communicator. And it's so funny, like with all my mentees these days, I feel like when I talk about skills that are worth working on communication comes up more and more, the idea of being more succinct, really like, like speaking to the things that matter to your audience. And again, to keep bringing up this point, we keep bringing back up better you know your product and how it differentiates itself and what problems it's going to solve for the person you're speaking to, the easier that communication challenge becomes. And it really is something where it's like, if you have that down, it's not cramp. Like it will be okay if you don't get your wholesale pitch in because you're having a really good conversation with somebody. If you're having a really good conversation with them, they'll most likely be willing to have a second follow-up with you or get to that next step. So you don't feel like you need to cram everything into that time. To Ron's point, if you're succinct and know what are my ultimate next steps with this customer? If they're hooked and you're answering their questions and you're having a good back and forth, you can just follow up with the things that you wanted to get across. And they're already going to be far more sold in than if you're cramming in everything that you needed to say because it was on your list. I've always been, and I credit the PJ Tour on this in terms of how they approach presentations. Again, those were, I started out with seven figure, big, you know, eight figure deals and then went all the way down as I've gone into different sort of roles. So it's a very different approach than most, but they spent a lot of time on thinking through what are the customer's objectives and how are we approaching that? And then let's make our sales pitch as we used to sit with the old chief marketing officer of the PJ tour with literally three words on a page and just go on those three words for an hour and figure out exactly what those three words are to convey everything that we wanted to get across on that slide. And that's how we would do a sales pitch. And it was like, you knew the info so well that those three words could convey everything you need. And then that was a really easy conversation from there. And I've always felt like that applies to how I pitch now. And everyone has a different style, but mine is so much of a, let's have a conversation and get your points out. And I, the presentation may or may not be there. And if it is, it's almost for background just to call it out. Oh, if there's something I want to touch on, but otherwise it's going off script and making sure you're having a really good conversation with them. Thanks for listening to today's episode on the Life in the Front Office Plus. And remember to share with a friend or colleague, leave a review, and tune in to each weekly or monthly episode across our shows.